Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Alright folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 170 today. Uh, we're going to be discussing UFO news and updates with our buddy The Zignal, uh, also known as Daniel uh, or Dan. And uh, you can check out his stuff down, uh, down below the video. I have his link tree um, link down there. He's got shirts, patches, stickers. Uh, if you're not aware of his artwork, uh, can you can go on to... Uh, Sean K. Hill's stuff It's all over there It's all over his own stuff So go check those out They're awesome And by the way Great job on that artwork I really like it Thanks Beautiful man I really appreciate it It was like a lockdown project I've, I've always been into kind of art But I thought You know what I'm going to use this time To learn some new uh, Applications um, I got on an iPad So I thought I'd use that um, And these things just came to me And yeah Awesome. awesome. Who knows? Maybe it'll be on a you know some sort of space force suit someday or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, go check that out. And uh, if you have not already, head on over to our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/MindEscapePodcast. Uh, we have Discord set up through there now. So if you want to chat with us or go back and forth, uh, we are on Discord. Also, uh, people keep asking, you know, what day of the week do you do your episode? Well, we do two, three, sometimes episodes a week. We don't have set times or days just because we have so many guests and stuff. But if you are interested and you want to know what's going on, please go to our Discord because I will uh, say we're going live tomorrow or this guest. You know, we'll give you all the insider info if you jump on there. So for just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Uh, I've got an hour long one with Sean Cahill where he even shows us, you know, maybe a couple pictures of some UFOs on there. I don't know. Uh, we also have, you know, one with, uh, Randall Carlson, one with Laird Scranton, you know, all these amazing guests, Dr. Gregory Little. So go check that out for just $2 a month. And we have a bunch of other tiers too. So, uh, head on over there if you have not already. And one more time, this is going to be going live soon. Go to indrasweb.org and sign up to get an alert when the app goes live. This is the app that we created uh, for rational discourse surrounding subjects, subjects like UFO stuff, ancient civilizations, ancient psychedelic use, uh, consciousness stuff, you know, all the fringe or, um, you know, things that you wouldn't see in mainstream science, you know, this is the place to talk about it. So head on over there. We, we had Sean Cahill on. He said he's probably going to start a uh, remote viewing group or club on there. So that might be uh, cool to check out once it goes live. And uh, I think that's it. What's going on, man? Busy day, right? Yeah, well, we can get that. We can get that. Uh, elephant in the room out of the way here uh <laughs> so if you don't know already which i'm sure most of you do if you're on ufo twitter uh, shout out to ufo twitter uh you know luis elizondo and christopher mellon and um steve justice are all leaving to the stars academy um they announced it was a george knapp interview uh you know so i mean what do you think about that like what are your thoughts when you first heard that it's it's in a way it's disappointing um i'm a investor in the company so 
like uh, Murray said, so, someone said that today yeah. their stock would have tanked on, you know, this is like Steve Jobs leaving Apple, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't mince it. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of excited, excited to see how a TTSA pivot uh, because I, I really like Tom DeLonge's creative output and he's just done his directorial debut with Monsters of uh, California. Um, which supposedly has some kind of link to, you know, the paranormal and the phenomenon. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he pivots to kind of, you know, I guess stay relevant. Um, maybe that's a harsh word, but uh, but I'm more excited to see where Lou and Chris go from here on out. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that uh, the UAP bill that's going through Congress basically got reattached to uh, pass in the near future today. Um, yeah, I did see that. And that's that's huge exciting news. So in the near future we're gonna hear that that one hundred and eighty day countdown for a public report is uh is started to tick down. So do you think that maybe I mean like the way I thought about it is I thought they were gonna do more stuff uh on the entertainment side of things. I always figured they were gonna make like a real documentary on the tic tac incident or um, some sort, you know, like I just figured if something like that came out, maybe there's less of this, you know, division of entertainment versus the science or the research aspect of things. Yeah. I mean, you've got to wonder if that's part of why these guys left. Um, Lou very distinctly said they're not entertainers, um, and they feel their mission's been accomplished. So they clearly kind of leaving Tom to do that stuff, um, while they go off to, uh, make a. I don't know if you guys have seen Lou's interview on Exopolitik. Um, it hasn't long gone up uh, as an English version. Mm. Um, but during that interview, Lou says that they're working on a global documentary um, with a group of people that, you know, he said he wasn't ready to share the names of. But that's exciting because it's taking the conversation to other countries um, and other places that we know have good research and have had great. Uh, events and incidents happen um so hopefully it'll be kind of a, a step to include in i guess humanity in a conversation that really should include everyone yeah i mean i i just like i said i think that uh maybe if the focus was more on you know the epistemological standpoint on the you know like the what's the evidence like what do we truly know you know we know we have these videos we know we have these eyewitness accounts you know i if from an entertainment standpoint i would think that you would run with that because that's something that i think a lot of people could get behind and i think that's why you see the phenomenon you know james fox's documentary doing so well because he's not taking any crazy risks he's just telling you what we know or you know what's out there and then you know putting it in a in a almost like a timeline format yeah i mean james did a great job with that didn't he it was very concise um and apparently jack ballet had a, a hand in making sure that it was as as strict strictly covering facts and not speculation as it was <clears throat> um so hopefully we get more of that from lou chris and some international collaborators um, especially now we know there's a bit of a Five Eyes connection to the UAPTF. So mm. that means I think it's, I forget the countries, uh, New Zealand, Australia, uh, Canada, UK, and the USA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that means those guys at least all had the possibility to see the UAPTF reports 
that have been supposedly viral in the intelligence community over the past uh, few years. So hopefully they start speaking up and we start seeing more from them um, of the kind of quality data um, that you're talking about. I had a quick question. You said that you uh, you actually did invest in the company. What is their end game? Like, are they going to take that public? Or I know they're because he was talking about doing you know documentaries and other uh, entertainment pieces. Yeah, um, they when when I chose to put my money in, there was never any promise that they were eventually going to take it public. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they'd made promises of spaceships, but anyone that was realistic knows that. It, it'll take a minor miracle for Tom DeLong to make a anti-gravity spaceship. Um, right. You know, it's going to happen at Lockheed or somewhere like that, you know. Um, so I put it in as a kind of donation to kind of help the cause. You know, I've right. always liked what Tom's put out and I've got a lot of enjoyment from what he's done. Um, and I've been into the UFO issue for, you know, since, since I was really, really young. Um, so it was a cool thing to invest in. Um, I, I worked for Apple at the time mm-hmm. and I had a little like bonus. So I was like, why not? On the off chance that this actually works out, <laughs> it'd be pretty cool to have those shares. Absolutely. Well, look, I mean, all the people are going to come in now and pick them apart and, oh, I knew this and yeah. I knew that. And at the end of the day, they've done more though. I mean, whether you believe this guy or that guy or you like this guy and don't like that guy, it doesn't matter because the conversation, um, really really picked up and you had a lot of people not interested in these topics get interested not just ufo twitter but i mean even you know people like my dad you know that like all these recent articles and buzz you have normal people that are just you know working hard every day not really paying attention to any of that kind of uh, metaphysical or existential type things now paying attention to these type things so i think Uh that they serve their purpose in the sense that a lot more people are like focused on the subject or at least open to it. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely agree. Um, it's almost a seismic shift, isn't it? From a few years back where you would get those, it still kind of happens on Fox on the, uh, Carlson segments where you have those gaudy UFO graphics, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the ancient aliens type things. Uh, but by and large now it's people on the Hill talking about it. Um, and talking about it in a really serious way. So yeah, I completely agree. They've, they've moved the ball down the field. Um, so it's time to kind of step up the game to whatever direction that I guess Chris and Lou feel like we need to go. Yeah. And, and you bring up ancient aliens. I think that, um, as much as many people hate that show or like poo poo it or whatever, I think that it can act as like, for instance, like I watch it as entertainment. I don't watch it regularly, but you know, I'll check out the episode on Gobekli Tepe. A lot of like a lot of the megalithic structure episodes are cool. You know, and you, if you're into these topics, you can discern like what's true, what's not true. Like, is there sure. a grain of truth here? You know, something like that. And I think that a show like that kind of was like a precursor to all this because you had a lot of people interested in like ancient sites and, and ancient knowledge and metaphysical things and stuff like that, then understand that like, Oh, a- aliens didn't build anything. You know, like I've never thought that now, do I think that it's possible that there was like a more advanced a- a civilization, ancient civilization? I think it's possible. I don't think that there was flying machines and cars and things like that. 
Uh, but I do believe that maybe there was a global civilization that got around a little bit more using boats and that kind of a thing than, you know, so, but that whole mentality, I think kind of laid the groundwork for then this to kind of come onto the scene and, oh, this is real. You know, there is a real aspect to this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's, uh, I forget who it was. Um, his name escapes me, but he talks about the paradigm shift mm-hmm. and how, uh, you know, people will kind of move from being ridiculed to being taken a bit more seriously when it's kind of a bit more widely accepted. And that takes a long while to happen. And I think, like you say, Ancient Aliens was kind of the first step to actually starting to talk about these things. And it's hard to discern the nonsense from the real stuff without bringing it into the light like that. Yeah, and I think if you do start to look into it, though, you do start to realize, okay, this is, you know, if you start looking into the geology and the actual civilizations that built these structures, you realize, oh, this was, these were people, these were people like you and I using what they had at the time, the knowledge that they had to to build this amazing thing. I mean, I think we're people get caught up in like a lot of the crazier stuff is like when you look at like the sheer size of like the great pyramid or you know, the constr- it's such a construction, um, feat, you know, like the way that they, we don't know exactly how they did it, but we know, you know, roughly how they did certain things, you know, they moved, uh, you know, the limestone blocks from, you know, Tura, like these different like limestone quarries and different things. But when you start to like look into those things, the whole, Oh, aliens built everything kind of just dissipates. And, and if um, I think you see a lot of that online, too, I see a lot of people, even on like ancient alien forums that are like, you know, which I applaud They're They post the videos debunking things like that. And I'm not a big debunker, but I feel like if something is easily debunked, I think you have to look at it. Sure. You've got to be able to get all the information, even if you don't agree with it. Um, you've got to look at it and have it inform your decision, right? Because this this is an ongoing conversation, whether it's UFOs or if it's ancient civilizations. Mm-hmm. There's new things being discovered all the time. Um, you know, you you mentioned Gobekli Tepe, and it was an incredible discovery. But just recently, we found out that there's that eight mile stretch of wall that's covered in paintings, mm-hmm. um, which is mind blowing. <laughs> And there's a whole load of things there to unpack. So right. you've got to be able to, you know, be patient and sift through the data. And you, you learn a lot doing it, though, I find. You know, when I started kind of looking into all this and, you know, like you, I thought, you know, wow, the pyramid's incredible. Mm. It has to be aliens because I didn't know anything about it. Right. But mm-hmm. the more you learn, the more impressed you are by, you know, the idea that there was even a global civilization mm. that long ago is incredible. But right. you learn to appreciate those things by becoming more knowledgeable about what's possible. Yeah, and if you go into like a city like Chicago, I that's where Michael's from. That's where he lives. And uh, I'm not from there. You, I'm from Michigan. Well, you're not from there, but you know, I, I go and visit them, and I look Get at it in, right in the city of Chicago, and you're just looking around at these these buildings, and it, that's almost hard to believe that a, that humans could do that. But we we know that they did. So why couldn't they have built some of these other things? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they just found, I mean, they dated that one site. Now, Karahan Tepe, I think, is older than Gobekli Tepe, so that's interesting. And somebody in the comments, yeah, just brought that up. We're probably going to do an episode on that coming up. But the the wooden fa- uh, fragments found in that cigar box in Scotland, I believe, that was an Egyptian woman that found an ancient Egyptian um, 
artifact in Scotland. So go figure. But uh, um, that, that was the bit of uh, yeah, it was from just inside the permit entrance, right? Yeah, the right? cedar, and it was dated, I think, um, to roughly I think five hundred to a thousand years previous uh, of the previous dating, which would be twenty five hundred BC, somewhere about there. So. Um, yeah, I mean, look, interesting stuff, new stuff pops up every day. Um, but the way I look at it, like if you look at our first episodes, the way we talk about things, I think that when you start to learn philosophy, when you start to learn the philosophy of science and like how things progress and what humans are capable of, and you look into the civilizations and what they were doing and what they did know and all that kind of stuff, a lot, again, a lot of these illusions start to dissipate, but uh, that doesn't mean that there's not real mysteries out there. That doesn't mean that there's not actual metaphysical things. It's you know I, I look at this subject and I think you would pr- maybe agree is the UFO stuff. Um, it's almost like it's some sort of system, systematic thing that's like dangling a carrot, always pushing us to reach for that carrot and take the next step, but yet just pushes a little bit further out of the way. We can't really fully grasp what's going on. Well, that's what I also yeah. wanted to say is, uh, you know, just because that they, we know that humans did these things doesn't mean that there's not a metaphysical property at play. Because I always am thinking about where are where do ideas come from, and that kind of leads back to this UFO thing where it might be particular to the people where they're seeing something, their 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 consciousness is being elevated. We were talking to a guest, and they they were talking about a lot of these these pilots are in a flow state when they see a UFO and things like that. So. I don't know. It's a very strange to think about where our ideas coming from. Maybe that maybe they are being traversed over, you know, star systems and things like that. That's a, I think that's a cool way to think about it too. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's interesting. Like the, the you say that because you know we're we're just starting to kind of get our heads around or not get our heads around, but make proper use of kind of quantum states that we know you know, it's super small. Um, and that's when you start getting into where there's room for the metaphysical stuff to kind of start coming back into science and find a language that we can talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of metaphysical stuff um, is just, you know, science of the future, meaning that, you know, you look at... um a lot of metaphysical ideas, like even let's say take ancient Greece, some of the metaphysical concepts and ideas are things that we know to be true or things that have come true um, in our current age. So, I mean, when you look at Mm. things like that, when I think about like crazy futuristic things, that's absolutely a possibility. If you can think it or dream it, I, you know, it's a possibility in my eyes in terms of what we know about the world and the universe and stuff like that. It just might be very far off. So I think when you have a lot of these researchers, you know, speculating or projecting some of these things, I think that um, some of it might be true, but you get caught up in like the science of now and like the dogmatic scientists today that think, oh, if it's, if you're not participating in this like slow crawl towards some sort of uniformitarianism, you know, this like idea that everything's always progressing forward in a timeline. When I think that you look at, there's like the dark ages and golden era, you know, like there's all these different things, you know, we are in a weird time right now where, um, I think it could go either way. I think we could head towards some sort of a, a dark age in terms of, you know, if you look at the state of the world, you could also see it going towards possibly, 
Um, you know, you mentioned a paradigm shift, you know, Thomas Kuhn, you know, the philosophy of science and paradigm shifts. So if you look at him, you know, and you could say that like psychedelic research and all these uh, studying of the mind and all these studies and, and people researching the mind and how the mind works, I think that we could be on the precipice of some sort of amazing breakthrough with all that. Uh, but again, you look at the other circumstances within the world and it's just, it's a little bit more difficult than that. So you never really know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the thing that's been on my mind this year is that I, I'm struggling to find a time in human history when we were all kind of locked inside with our choices that we've made, you know, um, uh-huh. and we're all kind of really faced with those. Um, some of us will kind of, you know, we, we work to kind of look inward anyway, but some people aren't prepared to do so. Um, and, you know, they can't sit still for five minutes and mm. stuff like that. And now they've been stuck in the houses for, and kind of almost on a global scale as well. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that that is kind of a, a catalyst uh, to a better place, to a more, I guess, a conscientious place mm. to, to know that, you know, we share this planet. We're on the same team. So to pivot back a little bit, um, <laughs> Do you think that when you look at, um, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what do you think is going to happen with, I mean, I, it's all speculation. Nobody really knows, but what do you think is going to happen with like Lou, um, and, uh, you know, Christopher Mellon? Like, where do you think what's going to happen is, is, are they going to rejoin somehow with the government and, you know, with these programs, or do you think it's going to be something where it's similar to TTSA in the sense that it's just, it's like a private, you know, research program? It's a really interesting question. Um, in an ideal world, I'd love Chris Mullen to rejoin government. Um, same with same with Lou, really. But the task force that's there now is, you know, a task force is more of a temporary thing. Um, and we need something that's a lot more long term. So I'm hoping that kind of it might be private, um, but at the very least, um, it'll be kind of a officially sanctioned thing to for them to go out kind of in the name of the United States government and start having these proper conversations in other countries. Mm. You know, kind of a, a closing house for all the conversation for it. Yeah, and obviously I think he mentioned going into second gear. So, I mean, I think that they are looking to push this thing further even more. It's not like they're stepping aside and going to fade away or something like that. It seems like they're stepping aside to, you know, fly a little higher, if you will. Um, do you, Yeah, I think so. Do you it, think it's almost like, um, you know, they, to start with Tom's fame kind of helped get the word out. Mm-hmm, and right. now, now it's almost like TTSA needs them more than, they need TTSA and I don't think it's malicious that that makes it sound mean, but you know, they, they can go out and talk about these things and people know who they are now and the, their background and what they bring to the conversation. Hmm. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. I, when, when I look at, I like looking at UFO Twitter, I like all the banter and back and forth and updates and insider, you know, talk and all that kind of stuff. I, I do love it, but I do think that, you know, there's a reason why, as far as our podcast goes, we're not just an ancient civilization podcast or just a 
uh, UFO podcast or just a psychedelic podcast. I mean, I like all of these topics because I feel like they're relevant to this like bigger picture of what we can be or what we are or where we're going. And I never wanted to like restrict myself. And I think that that's kind of the way I see UFO research evolving is into those categories, meaning that I don't think you can just say it's just nuts and bolts or it's just consciousness or it's just this or just that because we don't know. Yeah, there's a little truth to it all. Right. So, I mean, what do you think about that in terms of like going forward? The the conversation is going to have to some, come to consciousness at some point, right? Mm-hmm. There there are too many interactions that you know. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Jack uh, Jack Valet on Joe Rogan, yeah, where he spoke yeah. about a case uh, where someone was driving along uh, the French motorway and suddenly all the traffic had gone and they were kind of were seemingly in this bubble mm-hmm. um, away from everything else, um, and you know that that could be a physical thing. But it seems like control of consciousness and putting kind of an experience into someone's head is something that is common uh, going back decades and decades now. So it really, really has to get to the place where we can start talking about consciousness. And I think there are certain things, you know, Rick Strassman's work. um, I know Graham Hancock, to a certain extent, he'll talk about dmt entities and things like that mm-hmm. that really resemble these beings that people are seeing um and it like you say we don't know but it's a really curious link isn't it sure but i do think that from from doing this podcast i i did start to i should preface when we started the podcast it was kind of like i was super into like the graham hancock stuff the alternative theories and ancient theories and that kind of stuff um and well that's the fun stuff yeah and slowly you evolve though you know this more narrow lens or this more um discerning lens you know on on these things and i think that when i when i look at it now compared to how i used to look at it you're always just like dialing in it and even more like what's possible is this possible is that possible and i'm at the point now where the only things i i ponder like trained my mind the only thing i truly want to ponder are the truly unknown things. And I think that, uh, again, this UFO thing fits into that picture along, you mentioned the psychedelic entities and, you know, the hard problem of consciousness. These are real questions that even science cannot answer at this time. So, and I think the most important thing to point out here is none of this would be possible without our awareness or our consciousness. However you want to frame it, consciousness, awareness, self-awareness however you want to define consciousness uh without it none of this is possible so yeah you know we had sean cahill on and we were talking about how he was he was he was really emphasizing the fact that these pilots were in this flow state and they were their their consciousness was elevated to a degree and then i watched the joe rogan with the jack filet and everything and they kept talking about how the time time was slowing down or time was doing some some strange things when they when these people had this experience so i don't know i feel like there's a lot of these common threads that are going to be you know surfacing more and more and for some reason that's where that's where i gravitate towards and i i think me and michael have talked about that more where we we i've always gravitated more towards the the consciousness based and that's why some people see them and some people don't because every human being and mike's gonna laugh here are on different vibrations Mm. that's just language right like, I, I find this really interesting because 
you know, you, you'll talk to someone and you'll say like, you know, there's going to be a reason of vibration in the year 2020. Uh-huh. And that language automatically to some people, they just cut off. But then if you talk to them and you say, like, for example, what we were talking about, about people being locked indoors and or everyone kind of starting to look inwards and starting to grow themselves and think about what the world's going to look like for their children and the children's children, then you could argue that that's kind of a raising of consciousness. But, you know, we're just using terms to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that this whole thing is just, it's amazing to me that more people don't think about life in terms of like you wake up and like, what am I, what am I doing here? You know, like the epistemological, the teleological, the ontological, you know, thoughts that accompany if you sit there in stillness or meditate, you know, like how can you not think that we are living, breathing magic? Like nobody signed up for this willingly that we're aware of. Right. I mean, nobody was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be born. It's just something that happens. It's a natural process. Now, I always question, is that natural process, um, is there purpose to it? I think there is, but, um, you know, some people would disagree. I think a lot of evolutionary biologists disagree with that, but there's some that do agree with it. Um, But the time thing I think that you guys were mentioning is important. Um, Are you familiar with the Dr. Michael Masters, you know, identified flying object and his idea of like time travel and us it's you know grays are us from the future that have uh our bodies are altered from space travel and time and that kind of stuff i i really liked um i watched a presentation from michael a while back um and sent him an email after um and uh, about specifically the time stuff um and he said that his next book is going to talk about it more so we didn't want to kind of you know give give the house away mm-hmm. um but he he was getting into this idea of kind of perceiving the world and how I, I think Sean spoke about it with you guys about the flicker rate of the fly and how the fly sees the world and to right. us it kind of moves super quick. But from the fly's point of view, everything's kind of, you know, probably slowed down and it's moving a lot more slowly. Um and once you that that's a really hard problem to to figure out because how how do you show me that you perceive time in the same way as I do every second of the day even if you're you know if you're in a flow state or something like that it's it's a really hard problem to solve mm. yeah no I mean it's I've I think that's still like an analogy too. like can an ant perceive you or you know and some people like look at it like the giant's marble you know the whole uh thought experiment and that kind of thing what what fascinates you? Like, what are you personally researching or looking into? Like, what's something that you think uh, is going to have a big impact going forward? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think the Skyhub, I would say. Hmm. Have you guys, do you guys know about Skyhub? I think I follow them on Twitter. <clears throat> I've looked into, they're, they're making technology to try and um, record or... Right. Is that kind of what they're doing? Like an actual scientific yeah. approach to 
capturing, you know, a picture or data on UFOs. Yeah, exactly. So they build in, uh, or they put together plans for trackers, and you can kind of throw one of these together for a couple of hundred, um, <clears throat> and they'll track everything in the sky over wherever you put them. Um, so these things are springing up in loads of different places all over the world. Um, and the, there's potential for it to start kind of mimicking some really, really phenomenal, you know, intelligence kind of apparatus that the government have if we can be watching the skies all the time. And it's not even necessarily for um, just UFOs. Um, you know, there's all sorts of phenomena uh, that they can kind of apply these things to. Um, so I, I really like the idea of kind of democratizing that technology. Um, the other thing I think is going to blow the doors wide open is uh, psychedelic research. Um, you know, things John Hopkins, uh, Imperial College London, um, every, every paper that comes out, uh, I just dive into because, like I say, consciousness is is kind of where it's all going for me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know... Um... I know within this the psychedelic, because we've obviously talked about psychedelics a lot of times on this podcast, and I've had a lot of guests, uh, scientists, and just you know psychonauts, you know the whole range. Uh, but when you look at that, there are people, you know, looking at it from an empirical standpoint, and then you have people that are you know taking leaps. And I think that you can both of those things are good things in the sense that the the truth is probably going to fall somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, you know, could the DMT entities be some sort of ultra-terrestrial or extraterrestrial life or something like that? Yeah, I, th I don't know why that's not a possibility. We've had Dr. Andrew Gallimore on discussing his whole, you know, alien information theory book and hypothesis and, and that whole thing. And then, you know, you have some of the more, I think we're, we're going to get them on the show. I've been going back and forth a little bit, but, uh, um, you know, We've had, you know, uh, Dr. David Luke, you know, we're going to get him back on here. We, we tried to do an episode, but it didn't work out in terms of connection wise. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you mentioned, you know, John Hopkins and even, I don't know, did you watch that recent, uh, Lex Friedman episode with, uh, Matthew Johnson by any chance? I did. Yeah. I've been talking with him. I think we're going to get him on the show here in January. Uh, but, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, what do you think about what he had to say, though? Because he just wrote a paper recently um, on consciousness and, and when not to use it and when to use it and how people shouldn't be using religion in these settings and things like that to get kind of that empirical data on things so we can figure out what's what and not have all this external noise within the research. It's the idea of noise in kind of consciousness research is an interesting one because without, I almost feel that without being able to know exactly what it is, you not, you can't quite define what noise is. You know, we're so used to kind of sanding the, the rough edges off data, you know, well, if something's uh, an outlier, we'll just kind of cut it off as an anomaly and kind of draw a trend line in a particular way. Um, so it it's a really interesting journey of discovery into something that we don't really understand at all. Um, and it, it might be that you can't separate these things from a kind of almost religious experience. And I say that in a way, you know, not, not church with a capital C, but I mean right. religion in, in a kind of 
a personal set and setting um you know way <clears throat> kind of really really embracing your personal religion i would say if that makes sense yeah would you i mean because i look i look at myself as look I, I was raised roman catholic went to church when i was younger went to catholic school when i was younger um and then you know i started to question things and think about aliens and that kind of stuff when i was like 12 or 13 and um i kind of slowly faded away from that whole uh, thing with the church stuff. And, uh, I used to go to church, you know, just for my mom and stuff to be a nice guy. But, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of when you look at that, I consider myself more just spiritual, like personally spiritual, like in touch with the universe, if that makes sense. And I think that a lot of people feel that way, uh, but they're confused by it cause they don't look deep enough into these topics. That that's part of the reason. Um, I guess I should have mentioned when uh, you you said where am I looking into now? Uh, remote viewing really interests me. Okay. Um, and I've not long finished going through. Um, I forget a name. Prudence, I think it is. Um, Alien Protocols on Twitter. Uh, buddy. Okay. Um, he does remote viewing, and he recommended yeah, I think I that follow. class as Simeon. Yeah, I I so, follow. I kind of ran through that class um, because I, I feel like inquiring into that kind of area is where I can kind of make personal discoveries. Um, and when it comes to consciousness, each of us going to have to start doing that. Yeah. I mean, do you, so are you big into like meditation? And I mean, I know you and I go back and forth and I know you like some of the stuff and I follow some of the stuff you do. And I know, you know, we talk about like altered states and stuff like that, but do you, are you like an active meditator? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I guess I try to be some days you miss, um, but you know, at least, at least I'd say four or five times a week, um, which is night and day difference from, you know, a few years back. And have you found that the more you do it, the easier it is to get into that state quicker? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you kind of forget you're trying at some point and there's no, there was no kind of hallelujah moment where you slip into it and then you think, yes, it happened. You just kind of forget. And then once you've kind of, or for me, at least once I've forgotten, I'm kind of in that just empty space. Right. Now, have you noticed, I, I want to talk about this cause I think this is interesting. Uh, when I meditate, um, you know, when you first get into it, you know, it's this, this kind of calming, you know, serene kind of a feeling. And then I start to see these like dancing lights, you know, and I've talked to other people that have experienced this. Some people think it's like hypnagogia, uh, hypnagogia, whatever you, however you pronounce that. Uh, other people, you know, I've had talked to when we had Dr. Rick Strassman on the show, I asked him and he thought they might be related to phosphenes, which are these, you know, this process, you know, this mechanism in your eyes, um, what do you think's going on there and have you ever experienced that? Uh, yeah. And funnily enough, um, I didn't experience it until after my first psychedelic experience, mm. uh, which I thought was really strange. I, I felt like it kind of, uh, for lack of a better phrase, unlocked colors in that space for me. Um, and everyone since kind of adds a little something into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys ever used, um, a deprivation tank? No, I've I almost I almost went this summer though. I really want to try one. Oh, you should definitely try one. Um, 
so there, there was a little place in Cardiff and it, it wasn't a big one. It was kind of this, I think it was an old office where the guy just kind of set the tank up in um, and he oh. put some fairy lights up. So it was, you know, it was, it was nice. I didn't feel like it was a creepy vibe. Um, and I went in there for three hours. Um, wow. And the, the guy said to me, he was like, it's your first time, only do an hour. And like, was confident, you know, I meditated a bit. So I thought, you know, I can, I can hack this. Um, one, I'd say be prepared for your back to hurt. <laughs> flowing for that long in water it just sure. it aches but then two you're gonna see colors in the same way um as when you meditate but in a much more just it was more vivid i felt like i could feel the textures of things that i was seeing as opposed to just seeing them interesting did you alter your consciousness in any way before doing it or did you no. just okay <laughs> that's what i was curious about because I mean, I, w- I want to though. My I'm technique for meditation does include, you know, a little, you know, maybe THC vape or hit or something like that. I feel like it does help me uh, get there a little bit better. I don't need, you know, people are like, oh, well, you, sh- you know, you should do it naturally or you don't need that. I get it. That's just my technique, you know, and the rest of the people can just, yeah, I mean, you know, fuck off. But you've got to find your own permission slip, right? Right. And whatever way you can find into this, that's comfortable for you. That's the way that you were always m- meant to find. So, yeah, just I, I'd say be interested and in, and just kind of be open to it, the experiences. Yeah. Did you when you got out of it, like when you were done with the session, did you feel like you were kind of in like a like? Did you feel like your consciousness? was altered coming out of it. Meaning like, you know how you come down from psychedelics or you come out of a meditation. It almost feels like you're in an alien world for like a second or two. Do you get that feeling too? Or yeah, absolutely. Every, everything felt um, really cartoony and far away. It Mm. was strange. Um, Like less pressure Mm. kind of, I, I don't know how to describe it. Just kind of coming out of the room. I felt like there was less air pressure. I guess that makes sense. It was strange. Like yeah, it was a very floaty experience. Yeah. No, I always, uh, I, I'm, I'm down to try. I think Maurice should have one built in his house so I can try. <laughs> I've, I, I, I was just about to go over the summertime and then I went on a couple of trips and just kind of forgot about it. But I was, I looked up a bunch of places by me, found a couple of Groupons actually. I was, I was so close to going and then I, I, I don't know what happened. I just totally forgot about it. But I'm down for that experience. Yeah. yeah I'd, lo- I'd love to know what you think if you do it. Oh, I'm sure we'll do a report. A full-on report after t- I get out tank, of that bad tank boy. tank report. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, who was it? I, I think it's... Uh, yeah, it was Joe Rogan. He, he has one. Or he did have one at his house, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he says they cost like 30K take, or something. Order. Yeah, they're expensive. Yeah, that's crazy. It'd be nice to be able to just have a a whim of an idea like that and indulge it the next morning. Well, all you worry. need to do is, uh, you know, have a famous podcast that like a ten, a ten that blows up. Yeah. Bam, boom, you're going to the tank. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing, you bring that up, though. Like, I, you know, I like putting on his stuff in the background, like while I'm doing research or work or something like that. And uh, since I do have Spotify Premium, I've had it even before he made the switch. Um but I find myself like watching it less. I do think that being on YouTube and having it on YouTube, I think 
I'm not saying like I don't know. I would I would like to see what his numbers are like, but like for instance, I have Apple TV too, and you can't pull up the videos from the Spotify stuff on Apple TV. So oh, it's that's like, lame. Yeah, so it's like I have to like listen to it or just watch it on my computer. But when I'm watching stuff on my computer, I'm actually doing research. So when when he first switched over, um, you couldn't even speed the video up. Um, oh really? Yeah. So you just I I can't even remember what the first one was, but it was just like. <laughs> It was a four odd hour one, and I was like, I actually have to watch the whole thing. Yeah. Hey. Um, so, yeah, but now now you can sort that. And I think he said they're doing a comment section because um, they want to bring some features over. Um, but you're right, it's interesting. Like, Spotify kind of almost aren't ready for the switch with it. Yeah, I would think that big of a, that massive of a deal. You know, and I get that they didn't do the video stuff before, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, but yeah, you would think that that massive of a deal, that big of a company, you would have had it ready to go. And uh, I do like Spotify. I mean, that's why, like I said, I had a premium. I listen to all my music on there and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, I guess, uh, we'll see what happens with that. I think that, um, ultimately it'll be a good thing, but I think, um, we'll just have to wait and see how it all goes down and if, uh, what the numbers are like. Do you think that, uh, you what you mentioned that Jack Fillet episode that they did. Do you think you'll probably see Elizondo and Mellon maybe on Rogan now that you the, the, because of the separation? Well, I was wondering that because uh, Tom's interview didn't go down great, um, and since then there's been a few people that Joe has spoken to where they've mentioned TTSA or the logo has come up on the screen and you've seen him go. Yeah. You know, get that off the screen <laughs> or you know i don't want to talk about them or yeah, don't yeah, mention yeah. them yeah um and yeah so i'm I'm hoping you know maybe now that association isn't there that joe feels like he can have them on yeah i mean i th- I think that was just his personal you know almost his personal bias you know with that whole thing i think that um you know you see these you know you see luis out there you see you know you see these people in the news and you have to be thinking, like, why wouldn't he want to entertain, you know, if he's having Bob Lazar on and all these other people, you know, at least check that out. I know that he's either supposed to, I don't know when it's coming out, but uh, what's his face? Um, Travis Walton, I believe he's having on here soon. Or at least he's mentioned it on the podcast. So that'll be an interesting one. What do you think about that whole thing? Like the abduction stuff, the Travis Walton story, like where do you stand on all that? It's that one's an interesting for me. Um, one one of the earliest kind of UFO memories I have is trying to channel surfing and landing on fire in the sky as the yeah. kind of skin hood is being pulled over Travis's head and the holes being poked in the mouth. Scared the that shit was, out of me when I was like eleven or twelve. <laughs> <laughs> it was this horrible. Um, yeah, re- really horrific. But it, it surprised me to learn that obviously that's not how the the actual encounter went um and it, it's a really really intriguing story um even if you take the outlandish stuff out um where he spoke to the beans and you know brandished a tray at them and managed to hit one um it's it's a, a crazy crazy story because they passed their lie detector test they maintain the same story to this day you know even if they faked it, where was Travis that whole time? You know, the condition that he showed up in and things like that. It's just, it's very, very strange. Yeah. It, it makes me, um, it makes me question the whole 
sleep paralysis abduction connection. Cause I've mentioned this on the show before. Um, we go on this annual camping trip and I don't know how many, five years ago, maybe, um, the whole time we were just, I was just doing psychedelics, uh, you know, psilocybin, MDMA, you know, the whole thing. And then when I came home, I didn't really sleep much that whole trip. So I was like really, really exhausted and just really, really, you know, worn out. And I usually take a day to like recoup and I'll just sleep the whole day after that trip because that trip's always just insane with uh, all the stuff going on. Um, and the one night I got back, I was in a weird place where I was so tired that I couldn't fall asleep. I don't know if you've ever felt that before. Um, and when I did that, um, I was laying in bed trying to fall asleep. And then all of a sudden something felt like it was pulling me back and this like white light, like flooded over me. And I felt like I was literally paralyzed and I wanted to move and I kept trying, but the more I like fought it, the more it like sucked me back. It felt like something was pulling me down. Um, and I've only experienced that one other time. It was like on my couch and it was like a random day and I was tired, but it wasn't really a similar scenario. But those two examples, I I believe those are sleep paralysis. If it wasn't, I don't know what the hell it was, but, um, I could see how that would have, um, a metaphysical effect or like a metaphysical minded effect on somebody. However, uh, when you look at like this Travis Walton case, well, that dude wasn't sleeping in the forest when that happened. People saw that whole thing go down. So what what's going on there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, re- it really freaks me when uh, sleep paralysis comes up because people kind of, they, there was a case in Unidentified where two guys were like driving a truck and they just stopped the truck and then they got abducted. Um, and, you know, instantly then the expert comes in and says it's sleep paralysis. And it's like, lady, they were driving a truck. Like, I understand some people can fall asleep at the wheel, but two people at the t- same time, you know, in the same place and both have the same experience that that's evidently not the, you know, there's something else going on there. Um, and I, like you, I've experienced sleep paralysis. Um, I struggled with it for, for years. Um, my mom would tell me scary stories cause she would have a similar <laughs> thing. She'd tell me about a lady in the orange coat that she could see. Yeah. Um, and it really scared me. Um, so I didn't speak to anyone about it and I was in Camden market and I just got talking to someone at, I can't remember what they were selling now. I think it was beauty products, but I got chatting to them, um, because they said something to me and I talked to them about my sleep paralysis and they gave me this little kind of vial full of, (laughs) I I can't even remember what was in it, but they said, you know, put this in tea and drink it and it'll help. Um, and it didn't help. Um, what eventually did was, do you guys know, uh, Darren Brown? Uh, I do not. No. So he's kind of like, uh, you, you get these illusionists, these mentalists who do tricks, but they're very upfront about them being tricks and right. they won't kind of reveal how they did them, but they'll be like, you know, wow, I was tricking you the whole time. Um, he's very, very popular in the UK. He's got some things on Netflix now. Okay. And so he's expanding a bit. Um, and I was on one of his shows, um, and this this kind of is where my interest in meditation started, where he gave us a, a pill um, to take, and he told us that it would get rid of our greatest fears. And my mm-hmm. greatest fear at the time was a sleep paralysis experience that I was having that tipped over into something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and weirdly, um, I have sleep paralysis every, it's the last week of March you can it's really really strange really? i i can yeah um 
it just it's always that last week um you know it doesn't follow dates it's always that last week and I'm at the point in my life now where I don't know if I'm doing it to myself because I believe that it's going to be you know every week that March um but without fail every single year I'll have a week of really kind of heavy sleep paralysis experiences that's interesting um we've had our buddy Lee Adams on the show uh, a few times and he was oddly enough was stationed on the USS Nemitz but that was um after that whole thing went down um but on a side note you know he's interested studying consciousness and young and all that kind of stuff um but he talks about his sleep paralysis experiences as this shadow figure and like this you know evilish character and then the way he got rid of it was he like swallowed the entity or like attacked the entity or something like that. Um, so if that's happening in your own mind, um, that would make sense. But if it's not happening in your own mind, like what's going on, you know, like what's going on there? Yeah. It's, it's a really strange experience. I, I don't know if you guys, um, follow if you guys seen Helia. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen the whole season one. And what is it? It's Hellier. It's a. It's like a uh, a short series. I don't know what is it. Six or seven episodes. It's a paranormal series yeah, about. You know, we've talked about the Hopkinsville incident with Dr. Gregory Little when he was on with like the little green goblins and you know near cave systems and that whole thing. Uh, it's John Keel. You know, like from Mothman. It's it's like kind of mm-hmm. in that same vein. Um, I, I I I liked it. I thought it was well made, but I also think that there's some of it's, you know, open to interpretation if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um they they do some interesting things outside of the show. Um they have like a Patreon where they kind of do, you know, they'll do uh I wanna say seance, but I don't want to use the wrong word and draw their ire on Twitter. <laughs> Um, yeah, you gotta be careful some of these niche communities you know you gotta (laughs) gotta stay on your toes um but they they attempted to induce uh alien reduction experience in someone Mm. um and the the videos around in some places but they essentially hypnotize the guy and he kind of starts relaying details that follow a kind of traditional abduction experience you know he's walking down a corridor that's kind of featureless and he can kind of see these short kind of creatures um and during that they say you know we in a way kind of try to make him think these things but what if in another way we just induced an actual abduction experience into this guy through you know hypnotizing his consciousness right and it's a it's a really interesting question like you say we we just don't know but maybe that's what's happening yeah and i i think one of the episodes they use the god helmet or that uh that helmet that's used to like kind of take in more you know array of frequencies or you know energy that kind of a thing yeah that's right i think uh they were asking questions weren't they yeah Um, it's tyler that had it on yeah. Um, and yeah, he was kind of answering at the same time, even though he couldn't hear them. <clears throat> so the show's the fiction, but it's based on like real incidents. It's it's based on like the what did they get like a weird email? Is that what it is? Yeah, that's kind of the springboard every season, right? They get an email and then they're off, kind of. 
<clears throat> boots on the ground trying to find uh, leads on injured Cole and like say John Keel and so on and so forth. Hijinks and chew. <laughs> and then yeah. they find lots of balloons. Yeah, I love the John Keel stuff. I just, with the whole paranormal stuff, it's just not my, I'm not against it. It's just not my thing. You know, like I don't, I don't need to research it to kind of get the gist of it if that makes sense like i know i'm more interested if if i'm going to research that stuff i'm more interested in like dean radin's work or rupert sheldrick's work and uh sigh and that kind of stuff than i am in these like the anecdotal paranormal stuff if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely um it's it's interesting in a way what they're doing because they might be playing with kind of you know we when you go down certain roads, you start hearing there's power and intention. Right. Um, and it, at one point, I think it's the end of season two, they uh, they wonder if, you know, just by ever, having everyone kind of partake in watching the show and mm. believing in what they're telling them, if they're maybe creating something. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, too. And uh, I don't, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of people that look into, like, ancient civilizations and magic and you know all these different things you know like ritualistic magic not you know um show magic but uh yeah i think that i think to a certain extent that is true right because if i take out a a legal pad right now and i make a list these are the things i'm going to do this week the fact that i just took time to pull that out and write those down i'm far more likely to accomplish those things or at least work on them than i would be if i just said it in my own head yeah yeah absolutely um, it, it's kind of like uh, when people say, you know, man- manifest right. things, and we all kind of think, oh, by that, do they believe, you know, there is no spoon type thing? Right. <laughs> that you just believe it and it appears in your hands. Um, and it seems there could be something a lot more, I guess, subtle is the right word, uh, mm. more subtle at work. Um, so I want to pivot here a little bit. Uh, Natural Born Alchemist, who's been on the show before, Alex. Uh, I was asking about what do you think about the space force um, and how it'll impact, you know, the UFO and UAP research and studies, or do you think it'll have an impact at all? Uh, possibly. I mean, the the thing about the space force, and it's the same, I guess, with SpaceX and Blue Origin and all those companies kind of now jumping to the stars, no pun intended. <laughs> um, they're all kind of starting to see what's out there and they're all you know it's cheaper than ever to get a satellite into space and start monitoring things Mm -hmm. so i i think there's potential that the conversation starts opening up simply because people are going to start having eyes on a lot more data that they don't need to go through the government for yeah i I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do what do they call them the guardians the uh the guardians yeah. yeah Look, I mean, let's be real, though. I mean, Russia, China, they have weaponized space. You know, they've done things. Even then, that Jacques Vallée, I think they were talking about, you know, the Chinese satellites. Oh, no, was it the, maybe it was the guy, the astronaut on Rogan, that Vert guy, maybe. Maybe, I think it was that episode where he was talking about how, you know, the Chinese have done things to, like, destroy satellites. And they, when they were talking about, like, all the space garbage and space junk that's circling the Earth, that's almost like a... I mean, that's crazy. Have you seen the, the videos of that, of how much actual stuff is rotating around the Earth that's in orbit? Yeah, that's insane. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a really cool app called uh, OrbiTrack, 
um, and it shows you kind of the real-time location of you know everything that's not classified, I guess. And when you zoom out, you just can't discern even the planet behind just the amount of like green dots right. and junk kind of flowing around it. It's it's insane. You know, any anyone flying by would know we were here because of all the trash we leave on our doorstep. Oh yeah, and the amount that's there it makes you wonder if that grows exponentially with all the space travel and stuff we're sending out there and other countries for that matter. Are we even going to be able to escape this planet at some point? We might imprison ourselves here with the amount of space junk. You know, like well, there's there's a, there's a nice movie premise. You got to you got to avoid the garbage <laughs> out there. Yeah, I definitely. Mean, I, I don't Tom know. Tom Cruise is watching this, taking notes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a that'll be a good action flick in the future. That's the next Gravity, man. Call um, it, uh... But I mean, it is it does it is a real problem though, and then for for I mean. I actually thought about that as a possibility too. Like, do we know what space junk looks like when it re-enters the atmosphere? Like, could some sightings, because we what we say like five percent of sightings are actually probably something that is anomalous or whatever, three percent or whatever it is. But could some, you know, of the sightings that maybe, you know, are borderline, could that be space junk re-entering the atmosphere? A lot like how people think some comets or asteroids or pieces of meteorites, you know, that those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there was one video, I can't remember. I don't know what you'd search to kind of find out on Google. Um, but it, it looks like um, this kind of giant disc coming through the clouds and kind of settling kind of leveling out um but then when you look closer you're actually just kind of seeing a, a different perspective of just a, a rocket launch basically mm. um so there are a lot of people that when you don't have experience kind of looking at these things i guess like starlink when you see them in the sky they they can look anomalous to people um and they'll report them right i, I think we had at least kind of two incidents in the in newspapers here in the uk where they were just stalling. Right. And I mean, cause that's, you know, when you think about like the Tic Tac, well, it could kind of look like one of those, you know, part of a rocket or like a fuel tank or something like that. But then the reports of like the anomalous, um, you know, the movements and the 90 degree stuff. And then the David Frey, you know, it's, 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 you gotta disregard that idea with that whole thing. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I wonder how many of those Tic Tac, sightings are out there and then how many like borderline ones that are close to like you know this whether it's space junk or ball lightning or whatever like where where's that cutoff uh, you know from the data standpoint and maybe that's what that you mentioned um uh you know earlier the the new program and the, everybody's setting up all these sensors and stuff like that maybe that will you know at least give us more empirical data on what's what yeah, absolutely. Because um, the sensors that are there only look for what they're told, right? Um, right? You know, we if we're looking for, say, rocks entering the atmosphere that are two centimeters across, that's what they're going to be scanning for. And everything that's not that, they will just dump mm -hmm. as noise. When the the data that we want is going to be in the noise in that instance, right? Yeah. It, so. So when they set up the the equipment, so you're saying that it's calibrated towards to look for whatever. So 
what would they be looking for if they were to set it up to look for like another Tic Tac or another um, gimbal video, you know, something like that? I, I guess they'd be looking for, you know, they they see what something was, right. and and if it was still labeled as a question mark. So you kind of you know you you apply everything you know already. So you'll kind of you know apply your spectrum analysis and kind of go, well, we know that was a rock. We know that was, you know, a minor solar flare kind of causing a aurora kind of for a second. Um, but then things that start not fitting those profiles that's the data where they'll show up as I think Norad calls them unknown, uh, uncorrelated tracks. Hmm. Um, yeah. So all, all the data that is outside of these, uh, what these sensors kind of pick up is really what we want to be looking at, or it would be great to get, uh, our own satellites up. Yeah. Not mine. I say our, like a Royal hour. <laughs> yeah. And have you ever looked into ball lightning? Because I've recently, because people always joke, you know, swapping ass ball lightning. But if you really look into ball lightning, it's super bizarre. And, and, and bizarre to make you wonder, is there something else going on there as well in terms of, uh, you know, the mechanism behind it? Because and, and when I say, I've, I've talked about this, I don't know what episode, but I've the only like, uh, well now I've had two, but one weird experience. I was at my buddy's house before band practice and there was two little tiny orbs circling around one of his lights. And the day before, like one of his best friends had died and there was just this weird thing. And we closed all the windows, see if it was a glare, if it was something reflecting off something. And I don't know what it was, but it made me feel weird. And, um, I look up ball lightning and it's talking about how like little tiny orbs can get through walls and go through your house and just like hover there for a second and then just dissipate and stuff like that. And we've had Dr. Gregory Little on talking about plasma. plasma. Yeah. Plasma. And you know, the idea that possibly maybe plasma, um, isn't just, um, you know, these plasma discharges, or whatever, maybe they're not just, they may uh, be conscious. Yeah. Like a natural, uh, process. Maybe there's something actually behind that. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Um, there's an idea that I'm quite fond of that, and I guess it goes back to what we were talking about with time, um, that everything's conscious, but we're just experiencing things on different time scales. So mm. if you were able to kind of, you know, go sit in space and then fast forward through a million years of the Earth's history, it would look kind of more like a growing organism. Mm. Um, and the same with, with other places as well. Um, yeah that's where that you said that one of my most recent psilocybin experience uh, experiences and i actually read it on one of our trip report episodes i talk about how i was thinking about the earth in terms of growing like the earth's growing i don't know why i thought that either but it was just a weird thought and in the moment it was like eureka you know and then afterwards like, yeah what are we doing here pal That's interesting. Um, my, my last experience kind of similar again, and it might be why I kind of said that then, but it was kind of, I, I saw the universe kind of experiencing life like an algae bloom on a lake mm. and it would kind of grow and go back and grow and go back. And then I kind of went out further and saw that it was just the heartbeat of a growing organism. And yeah, it, it was a little crazy, but that bit sticks out. Yeah. I like that though. 
Yeah, it's I've been writing stuff down, not just meditation, but psycho psychedelic experiences, even some intense uh, THC stuff. You know, like there's times where, and I was talking about this with Maurice. There's times where I'll maybe hit the vape pen too many times, or I'll you know, you know, smoke some extract or whatever, and it'll give me that paranoid aware feeling. I actually don't mind it because I feel like it kind of keeps me in check sometimes and keeps me. Um, you know, on this path of like, I got to get my shit together. I got to figure this out or figure that out. Uh, but it is interesting because you don't really think about cannabis or, um, you know, that kind of, that whole thing as being like that in terms of like a psilocybin trip or anything. But I do have similar sentiments sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you, have you ever mixed it with meditation? Well, I mean, almost every single time now I use psilocybin, I definitely, I meditate in darkness. That's the time that, cause I get the most out of it. Look, you know, we've gone to concerts, we've had crazy experiences. I like during the daytime, it's fun. I think that it adds an, another element with the sun shining on everything and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's something to be said about the visionary experience and complete darkness. I think Terrence McKenna, people always use that, the five grams uh, you know, silent darkness. I I do think that there's something to that in the sense that that's when you get the most out of it, or at least for me. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that. Um, it's it's interesting. The the first time I tried it, I was given five grams, and it didn't do anything. Mm. Um, but. It, it freaked me out a little bit because before I did it, I didn't feel up to taking it. Yeah, that's... and then I did it, and I I felt the only thing I could see was kind of a just out of my periphery, wherever I looked, a kind of a, a spark of color that would mm. change. But the more I tried to kind of look at it and get it into my vision, the further away it would go, and that was all I experienced. And it, it was a few more times until I was able to kind of get in that zone. But it's it's really intriguing that I was able to, you know, block myself from experiencing. That first time, so it didn't, did you not, you know, you said you saw this little color thing, but did you not, did it take longer or just nothing really happened at all, I guess, is what I'm asking. Because I've had a similar experience, but I want to hear what you have to say. Um, nothing really happened at all. Okay. Um, that little spark of color was it. And I remember sat there for, I, w- I want to say about, I, I had something on the TV. So just about three hours kind of, you know, flitting back and forth between trying to kind of get a fix on that and go towards that. And it, it just, nothing came of it. I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out if I was trying too hard or if I wasn't in the right place, but it just didn't happen. And I took the same amount. So my first time, uh, I took two and a half grams dried and it took like two or three hours to come on. Usually it takes half hour, 45 minutes now, you know, you kind of know what to look for. I guess it's similar with cannabis. Like the first couple of times, what am I doing it right? Is, you know, which is a weird thing when you think about it, because does that, I do think that there's some placebo aspects to these things where if you're not aware of that thing, you might not be fully experiencing that thing. And that's what I'm trying to get at here with your experiences. Like maybe it took that first time to get that out of your system to kind of be like, Oh, you know, you're familiar with it enough now. Then the next time it's like, okay, now I know what's going on. Um, and that's similar to cannabis. And 
for me, my 2.5 didn't come on for two or three hours. And then when I was aware of it, it came on strong and I saw a lot of weird stuff and experienced some weird things. So, yeah, that, that's an interesting thought. That's a really interesting thought. Um, I went to bed after about, I think, like say about three hours. So it's possible that it just took longer and I was asleep. Um, but, you know, there were no dreams or anything like that. Um, but yeah, that's intriguing. I didn't think of it that way before. Well, I think the THC the, the, doesn't have to, like, saturate your brain. So, like, the first time you smoke it, it has to kind of, like, prime your mind. Or is that is that a myth? I don't know, young Jamie. Why don't you? Uh... <laughs> well, again, I, I'll see what I can find. But... Um... Oh, it's interesting. Um, some Some of my friends kind of know that I've, tried those things and they're curious but they've got kids so it, it's not the time in their life where they're gonna partake um, look it's not right for everybody they, you know exactly um but they they always ask me to describe it and it's just it's impossible to describe mm-hmm. you know you just once you like you say once you experience it and you know what to expect you're kind of like okay right i get it now but there are kind of, you know, there's almost like a, an earthy taste I get every time in my mouth that no one told me about. Yeah. Um, little things like that that are part of the experience that just no one no one speaks about or thinks to verbalize, I guess. Yeah, I like to masticate the uh, the mushrooms until they, like, completely dissolve in the mouth. I feel like I get more out of it that way as opposed to just crunching them and swallowing you you get a lot of people talking about like pb and j sandwiches and putting them on pizza and stuff I, I think that for me the most effective way is when i got some cacao chips you know pure cacao and i, I eat that mm-hmm. and uh i'll drink some lemon tea and i'll either make lemon mushroom tea or i'll just have lemon tea and i think that that usually you know blasts me off the right way that i like so and on an empty stomach poof even better <laughs> Uh, tea, tea is my chosen method too. Yeah, it, it was like a revelation for me because um, I I can't handle the the texture. Yeah, it's it makes me gag. I'm not gonna lie. And Maurice knows I'm. Uh, I have like the worst got gag. Re- light stomach. <laughs> I've got the worst <laughs> gag reflex of all time. You better watch out. <laughs> I'll I'll challenge you on that. Yeah. I I can't even wear um, vampire teeth Halloween. They go in for two seconds and. Oh, I'm I, same here. I'm not gagging. Oh, really? Nice. I'll, I'll one-up you. I can't even wear turtlenecks, bro. Jesus. That's amazing. No, I'm being serious. I hated them. When, when people tease me about the vampire teeth, I'll tell them that. Yeah. Oh, the vampire teeth for sure. Anything like that, like if I had to put in like a retain, I hated wearing a retainer, you know, when I had braces and stuff like that. That's the worst. Like all that stuff makes me just, ugh, I hate that. I wonder if there's something to it mechanistically, like maybe like a smaller esophagus or windpipe or maybe, you know, what's going on there? I don't know. It's 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 been growing up in Wales where they play rugby and you need your gum shields. And I'm just, you know, I'm laughing off the pitch basically every time I try. Oh, I used to take mine out during football games and. That's not smart, bro. And not wear them. Luckily I didn't get hit in the mouth, but yeah, it could have, it could have been bad. You know. So on the cannabis front, it says that it is a myth that you can't get high on the first time, but it says most likely they're not smoking it right or they're not inhaling it or they're smoking very inferior product. So, again, yeah. that could have been any – because I remember the first time I did it, I didn't, I, didn't get, I didn't get high. And I know the people that I was with, a couple of them got high, and I was kind of just 
I again, I didn't really know what I was looking for, and I was pretending kind of. I was like, oh, I do feel a little lightheaded, this and that. And then the next time I smoked, oh, I was high. <laughs> it, it, it's it's almost like taking mushrooms. Like you ask someone, are you are you know are you are you tripping or whatever, and they're, I don't know. But then and then you go, if you don't know, then you're not because if you are, you'll you'll know. Maybe it's a mixture of the precociousness of you in that moment mixed with your hype. You're already hyper aware because you're about to do something that's like scary to you. You know what I'm saying? Like you're already in an altered state of consciousness, knowing that you're going to be in an altered state of consciousness soon. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Um, well, Hey, would you be down to do like an extra little Patreon session here? Do you have some time? Yeah, man. All right, well, let's wrap it up here, and then we'll jump on over to our Patreon, and I'll post that later. Uh, but, yeah, go check out uh, Dan's link. I have the link tree down below there. Uh, he's at the signal on Twitter. He's very active on there. Uh, everybody that doesn't follow him should go follow him, especially if you're in UFO Twitter. But I assume if you're in UFO Twitter, you know who he is. Um, and he's got awesome artwork, that again, that he designed uh, for the Tic Tac in commemoration of the Tic Tac incident. So go check out that patch and the shirts and stickers. Anything else you got? Uh, no, just those for now. Well, those are awesome. So go check those out. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, great. Like, uh, colorful and uh, I don't know. Just it looks pretty sweet. I don't know. And uh, I know uh, you've also, if you're interested in more conversations with Dan here, you're you've been on. Uh, is it that UFO podcast? You've been on there a few times as well, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Andy invited me on to do a Skinwalker Ranch uh, TV show watch along. Uh, so we started doing that. And uh, we just, I guess, became friends along the way. It was a really nice little story. And now we do like a whole bunch of things. That's awesome. Uh, we're, we're also involved in um, UAP Media. I don't okay. know if you guys have come across this yet. We haven't really launched. <clears throat> but the idea of UAP Media is that just in the UK, the coverage of the UFO issue is just terrible Mm. so what we aim to do is to kind of start approaching people who could potentially cover it well and guiding them to the right information um so hopefully that'll be helpful and take off in the new year awesome we'll look forward to that yeah so shout out to andy go check out that that ufo podcast of course we like to support other podcasts and people that are getting creative on these types of subjects so go check that out and check out uh, Dan's episodes on there. And, uh, yeah, so check that out. And head on over to, let's see here, let's do Indra's first. Head on over to indrasweb.org and sign up to get an alert when the app goes live. I'm going to push it live here, I don't know, in this next week. I put it off, again, because of all the media stuff going on in the world, and I just felt like it would get lost in the shuffle. But at this point, I think everybody needs a nice... A platform to talk about all these things not you know again ufo twitter is awesome i'm sure there's some great groups out there on other platforms but this is specifically for these topics so they're you know we're going to try and keep all the riffraff off of there um and just a lot of evidence and empirical based things uh but again you know it's just for open minds and a lot of these different topics so head on over there you'll get an alert when the app goes live and then also head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, for just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive content, including the episode we are about to do with Daniel. Uh, we do have one up there with Sean Cahill, and we've got a ton of you know back 
backlogged episodes on there. So if you haven't checked that out, $2 a month will get you in there. And check us out on Discord. I'll start posting times and days. I know a lot of people are asking, you know, why don't you do it on a specific time or day? Well, that's not how we're doing it. We do a live show. <laughs> it's sporadic. We're going to do yeah. a little here, there. I, I go by guests, too. I want, you know, the guests to have, you know, feel like, the, you know, they're not on our time. So um, it just makes everything better and easier for everybody. Uh, so, again, head on over to our Patreon and uh, get in our Discord. And, you know, you'll get updates on who coming up guests and topics and that whole thing so all right man well you know listen we're gonna have you back on the show again sometime in the future and i assume with everything going on there will be lots of opportunities to talk about this stuff so absolutely yeah i'd love to be back um i I should probably mention that um andy's podcast we actually just did a room 101 special i don't know if you guys know what room 101 is it was kind of a a UK Saturday night TV show. Not aware of it. I have seen him post on. that, but I don't know <clears throat> what that is. So that's good to know that it's it's based on something. Yeah, it's uh, the idea is that a guest comes on, they talk about a subject, and then decide whether to put it into Room 101 at the end, which is kind of a riff on George Orwell's 1984. Okay. Room 101 contained the worst things. Um, so yeah. Uh, we we chucked a bunch of things into room 101 and kept some things out and some will be controversial uh but i'd love to hear what people think of what we decided mm. yeah I, i'll check that out for sure so go check that out as well um and uh yeah this has been fun and like i said we'll have you back on again in the future and uh i like what you had to say and i like following you on twitter and a lot of the stuff that you post and i think that you got to continue the momentum going, you know, you got to keep people interested in these topics and keep people, you know, whatever, whatever the outcome is, like I said before, you like this guy or that guy, or you don't like this guy or that guy. I think the whole goal is to just get more people thinking and talking about UFOs so we can get to the bottom of it. You know, what is going on, you know? So, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we love everybody. Stay safe out there. And uh, if you're interested in more, more talky here with uh, the signal, Dan, uh, you can check us out on Patreon later. But uh, we love everybody. Stay safe out there, and everybody uh, have a happy, have a good holiday. Yeah, we'll be on again tomorrow happy live. Holiday. But happy holidays to everybody. Peace. Peace. Peace.